What's up, man? It's SFA Charlotte. First episode in 2020. This is your boy, Kalen, man. I got my sis, my bro in here with me. We about to do this thing, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Go ahead. What's up, you guys? It's your girl, Keeks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're hey, everybody. This is Russ Stokes. You know who I is. You know where I be. Hey, man. We back. We back together again, man. It's been so long. I'm so excited to see these beautiful people. Uh, man, we got a, a serious topic on the slate today. Housing in Charlotte, man. Man. Man, the lack of affordable housing in Charlotte. Ooh, man, talking about people moving. I, I feel bad because I feel like I'm a part of the people. Like, because <laughs> I came from Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, at the same time, I just see so many people talking about, not even talking, like, not even people talking about businesses talking about how much there's a lack of housing. Yes. I was in a program last year, and uh, there was actually someone that came in, a, a, a part of a housing business. I forget the name. But they, like, literally build houses for, uh, like, middle-income people mm -hmm. because, like, there's not a lot of houses. There's either Section 8 housing mm -hmm. or mansions on sale for $1 million. Wow. Right. wow. So it's like, as a wow. middle class, you come to Charlotte, and it's like, well, I'm either on welfare or I'm balling. Right. Where is it in the middle? Right. And then all them condos going up. Correct. I feel correct. like it's a new one every day. I go. I drive down downtown. So that's my little thing. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna let us parlay. But I just wanted to lead into it like no, that. No, you actually led in correctly. And um, I know uh, Keeks has had this on her mind for a while, and she has some numbers she's gonna uh, make sure she shares with us. I can just say anecdotally that if you take in the stagnation of wages in the area, mm -hmm. you, you're still looking at your uh, workforce averaging around $12 an hour. Some people are literally still only making $9 an hour. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Who can afford $9 an hour? You know, you do the quick math for all of us that know how to do quick math in our head. Exactly. $9 an hour at 40 hours a week is $360. What's that? Now, $360 times four is less than $2,000. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you got Uncle Sam coming to take somewhere between 18 to 28% of taxes off top. off top based on what you claim. And we within the community, especially within the black community, we don't understand tax law. We don't understand how to claim on our weekly taxes. We don't understand what the one, two, three exempt mean. So nine times out of 10, we were taught coming out of our own homes, just put zero, claim zero, get your money at the end of the year, tax season, right. get you a car. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that. So now you're bringing home somewhere between two to two fifteen a week maybe less than that if you're making nine dollars an hour so how are you going to be working 40, 40 right. just working 40 hours no a week. ot no exactly. ot yeah. no ot and and believe it or not most businesses today they're not they're not even scheduling overtime they, unless it's peak season well again I can put another employee down at part time instead of give you that overtime. Seasonal work. I can I can bring in a temp. I can mm -hmm. I can bring in a temp agency. They trying to save money and it's just it's ridiculous because I just feel like 
I'm just gonna go on a rant. Um, I mean, housing, affordable housing, the lack of affordable housing is is ridiculous. You know, especially with Charlotte being a city that's growing, and it's one of those things where it's like because you have so many people migrating into the city. And because it is expanding, you would think that the market of affordable housing would also be expanding. Mm -hmm. Because now it's like there's this huge gap. Like you said, you're either balling or you're in poverty. And that's just, it's unrealistic. Um, So I know, for example, I'm currently on a search for looking for a a new home. And it's so hard to find affordable housing especially you know if you factor in the fact you factor in you know how much you make and you're like okay well I want to be able to have this one bedroom for myself and you look in Charlotte specifically I would say the average rent in Charlotte is about hmm, for one bedroom whoo I'm gonna say about 815 is the average and that's just for a basic one bedroom apartment like, and you're not even factoring in where. Yeah. yeah. And it, trust me, like, you have the luxurious apartments, you know, $1,200, $900. You may find a couple $700, you know, but those get snatched up real quick because everybody wants, you know, the $700 apartments. But then you also notice that a lot of people are moving outside of Charlotte. So uh-huh. that's something I've noticed, too. You know, people are moving to Kannapolis. People are moving to Concord. People are moving to Harrisburg. People are moving to... Ooh, I will sound like a true charlatan. You know, what's another city that's close? Gastonia. Yeah, you know, people yeah. are really Rock Hill. Yeah, moving like on the outskirts of Charlotte because because that's where the livable the yeah the living wages are cheaper. But then it's also one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if everyone is moving on the outskirts of Charlotte, that's also going to hike up their prices as well. Because I noticed that too, and I know even in looking for apartments, they don't give you a solid price like there's been times i've looked at apartments and they'll be like oh yeah the rent is gonna be like between yeah they give you ranges yeah 685 to 745 i'm like well damn it that's a big range i need you to let me know (laughs) which one is it you know like that's that that adds up you know you're like oh well it depends on the market and then the market you know depends on how often people are looking for housing uh with this particular kind of housing, how many people have it, and, you know, it's just the economics of it all, and it's very, very, very frustrating. Yeah. And then you have to think of gentrification. Come on, speak on it. Uh, here we speak go. on it. Gentrification is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a child of We the know. Lord. We know. It's real. It is. And I remember going to, um, what museum is that? Um, where the Black Art Museum uptown? Uh, oh, dang, 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 dang. I know what you're talking about Harvey Gantt. Yes, yeah, that's yes. It. They had an exhibit where they were talking about gentrification, and they did. I wish I could remember the name of the neighborhood, but they did an um it's an probably entire cherry. Is it cherry? That's that's. I believe that is probably uh, one of the most historical neighborhoods, black neighborhoods in Charlotte. I can't remember the name. But I know they did do um, an entire exhibit just talking about how, you know, the people who lived in this particular neighborhood were forced to move out because, you know, they were gentrifying the Mm -hmm. neighborhood. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they had images and they had quotes coming from the residents in that community saying, you know, I've lived here my whole life. You know, my great-grandparents lived here. And now, you know, my kids can't grow up here. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you're forced to move out of your community, but then 
where do you go? So you have that displacement. Um, and a lot of people will end up homeless because, right. you know, now you have to factor in their jobs. If their jobs are close to where their homes are, now they have to find a different way of getting to work because, you know, their living situation changes. And then you have to factor in public transportation. If they use public transportation, how is that accessible? Is it close to this new household if it's not available? And then everybody, I could be honest, you know, when I first moved to Charlotte, I was using public transportation. And public transportation out here, it sucks. I, yeah, yeah, I understand. It I understand. I definitely understand. I used it for a while. Um, and I can tell you that, man, I could tell you so much, but uh, I'll piggyback on everything you just said. You basically, when talking gentrification in a place like Charlotte, if you take the time to just quickly under, uh, comprehend the history of Charlotte, um, Charlotte pretty much did not become a city on the radar of national news or the mindset of the people of America before the Panthers came. Panthers came in 95. Think about that now. Yeah, I know. Charlotte's a baby. Uh, Again, um, and then go from 95 to 2017. Ooh, okay. That's like most of my life. Okay, now. <laughs> so my life. so yeah. from 95 to 2017, you're not even on the national radar. Somewhere around, and I could be wrong, I know someone will tell me I got the year wrong, but somewhere around maybe 2004, 2005, <laughs> New York is becoming way too expensive. Way too expensive. Mm-hmm. So, so expensive real estate wise, mm-hmm. office building real estate wise, mm-hmm. that most of your banks, stock institutions, Merrill Lynch's, Dow, you know, those type people, mm-hmm. uh, Goldman Sachs, they're like, wait a minute. There's cheaper mm-hmm. somewhere else, but we still got to be able to make it to the stock market. We right. still got to be able to be within arm's reach mm-hmm. of where the actual work is happening. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to move real quick here. I'm, I'm not going to linger too long. So then you have all the big banks and all the people making those decisions say, you know what? We just need a short plane ride. Well, D.C. is home of the political base. Mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia Norfolk, Virginia, that's our naval shipyards, all that stuff like that. Atlanta, oh, Atlanta is starting to become a music capital. We could lose a lot of money in Atlanta. We might not want to go to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And it's growing at an an exponential rate as well come the 2000s. Charlotte, it's on the corridor, 77, 85, 81 is right up the way into the mountains. But then more than anything else, Charlotte was primed to have an international airport. Think about it. Atlanta is an international airport. Mm -hmm. Charlotte was more likely a regional airport in the 90s and the 80s. So it gets turned into an international airport as well. So now you can fly back and forth to New York on a charter. You can bring private jets in. You can do everything. So now your banking centers come. Cheap. 
wow, we can take advantage. We can buy all the land. We can start building. We can force the growth mm -hmm. of Charlotte. Now, fast forward, 2013, 2012, city council, your elected officials are now starting to broker deals with places like Bank of America, BBNT, First National, which would then turn into Wachovia, I believe, and then would turn into Wells Fargo. So you have all this, these moving pieces. Mm -hmm. What's, what normally gets lost in the mix? Your average everyday worker. Your average everyday worker gets lost in this mix because why? Nine times out of ten, they were never on track in the first place mm -hmm. to be landowners and or homeowners. And why is that? Particularly within the black community, most local laws, when it comes to land and or home ownership, were never written to the benefit of the African American. Mm -hmm. Were never written to the benefit of the lower wage income worker. Your poor whites, your poor Latinos, your poor Asians. No, I was just I, I was listening to you. You were uh, oh you, you learning you, me on some things. No, well, no, real, I didn't want. I, don't, I, don't, I know you didn't want to linger, but right. I mean, I felt like not only for me and Keeks, but like just for the people, like. That's education that I it made me understand like why gentrification is a thing because these big these big people these big names are making these deals mm -hmm. they're not thinking about us because we're not even at the table right and then especially in the black community we're so when you say we're not on track like when, when you I took it as we not on track when you said people are not on track but we're not on track because when when this started like when our freedom in America started. Mm -hmm. We started not only behind the eight ball, there was no eight ball. They just said, they just took the shackles off and said, go. They didn't right. give us no 40 acres. No they didn't resources. give us no mule. But don't forget now, do not, do not discount the effort and the advancement of the newly freed slave now. No, no, no. no. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm just saying where we started. Okay. I'm just okay. saying where we okay. started. Okay. Just, just Genesis. Okay. I'm just saying literally in the beginning, <laughs> okay, you're I got free. You. I got you. Do something. I got you. I got we you. didn't get education. We didn't right. get nothing. Exactly. And so it was straight ingenuity. Mm -hmm. It was straight intuition. Who? Come on now. That's 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 what Let's that's what we had to that. that's what we had to thrive on. I mean, that's lovely, but it got to the point of straight ingenuity and straight just it it went off of straight ingenuity and straight intuition. To survival. Come yes. on. Come on. Because when they freed us, then we had to go back work for them. But then we started to build our own mm -hmm. and we started to get leaps and bounds on them. Come on. There's no more control in that. Come on. And they need control. Mm -hmm. Say it. Mm -hmm. So that's why the Black Wall Streets. And I think exactly. it was a it was upper Charlotte, uptown Charlotte. It was called Brooklyn. It was actually like called like Little Brooklyn or something like mm -hmm. that. In Uptown Charlotte. I think that was exhibit. I'm not sure. I'll fact check later. But they literally gentrify because we we need to control you. Because mm. if we can control you, we can control how much you grow. And we can mm. control where you grow, how you do. Mm. And I understand. Because, I mean, you think about it. If you if you in a room with billions of dollars, you're not thinking about the person making nine. Right. You're thinking about yourself, the, your family, the mm -hmm. people that's making the big bucks, and how y'all can continue to make the big bucks and get more money. You're not trying to think about... How can I love the playing field so that the middle-income person can be with me? They're not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Because, honestly, America was really 
I mean, America just as a civilization is bastardized because it's just a mix of just different things yes, coming together to yes. create one. Mm-hmm. And at the core, it's, it's, it's a lot of selfishness. It's, an, it's, it's a lot of color superiority. Mm. And which is a false narrative. Correct. Which seriously mm. is a false narrative. And I feel like that could be a whole nother episode. It no, it can, can be. We can. We can. But, but d- d- I guess to drive my point home, it's just I appreciated you for sharing. And I was quiet because I was listening because I, I, I see from another set of eyes. I think in a black in the black community, we spend so much time looking from the bottom of the totem pole, mm-hmm. just perspective wise. Correct. That we don't even give ourselves an opportunity or a chance to look from boss level. Well, I can, I will say this to add on to that because that is such an, a, a, a monumental statement and I hope that, you know, we don't lose the truth of the effect of such a statement when you say it's not a boss level mentality. Um, a boss level mentality is the mentality that we saw from behind, meaning... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my yeah, grandmother yeah. used to tell me this all the time. I used to hear it coming from her all the time whenever I would visit my grandparents. <laughs> the number one issue that the white American always had with the black American is that they never could figure out how we got so good before they noticed. And she said, it's because they always wanted to have their back to us, us behind them. So we got to see all the mistakes they made. (laughs) They never turned around and looked at us taking notes. Uh... They never turned around. They never turn. I got to be in front of you. I want to be first. You can't be first. That's why nine times out of ten or ten times out of ten, the first of anything that was a black person that is black American mm-hmm. was perfect from the eyesight of white America. Wow. Because wow. all of black America stood with that one to ensure that whatever the rules white America said perfection had to look like, we all banded together to put it on that one to make sure that that one could never have stain. This is why what do we hear in our households growing up from our parents? You got to be two times as better just to earn half of what they have. You got to be two times better just to earn half of what they have. So when it comes to affordable housing and the lack of availability in a city such as Charlotte, this generation of black American, black Charlottean has to institute a, what are they doing? Where are they making their mistakes? Trust me when I tell you. Those buildings that are going up near Uptown Mm -hmm. and in Uptown, near the stadium, near BB&T Park, near the Mint Museum, near uh, 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 the hospital that's over there off of King and Queen and all over in that area, Uh, the the buildings that are going up near UNCC, Mm -hmm. mistakes were made in the planning and development stage that were quickly cleaned up. 
in order for the building to go up. I am a proponent personally of us getting more and more involved in zoning. If you're listening to this and you think you might be interested in local politics, the very first place you should want to go is become part of the zoning commission. Learn about your planning and development in your city. Mm -hmm. There is a 50-year plan for Charlotte. Everybody who understands that Charlotte must grow over the next 50 years, there's a plan already laid out. And nine times out of ten, it's public knowledge. It is. A lot of it is. And and here's the thing. A lot of young Everyday workers, mothers and fathers, single mothers, single fathers, young families, they look at their time in the week, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and they can't see where time can be made to even get involved with local politics. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, you don't have to leave home half the time because of your phone, because of your laptop, because of Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And here's the truth. When it comes to affordable housing, we might need to go back to the 1930s, 1920s type of culture we lived in as black Americans. We might need to start cleaning up our families, meaning I got some sisters and brothers. You got some sisters and brothers. Kaylin got some sisters and brothers. We all might not get along. We all might not like to sit with each other for more than five minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. We got to start cleaning this stuff up because there's a $300,000 house and one of us got somewhere close to good credit Mm -hmm. and it's got four or five bedrooms. We all might need to go in on that house together. Build $50,000, $60,000 in equity in the house over a three to five year period, then pull all the equity out and democratically as a family, this money goes to you, now go get this house down the street. Definitely. Definitely. Then you bring two or three cousins in to help you with that house. Or go in on a duplex, a seven or eight unit home, uh, apartment complex. Four or five of y'all live in four or five, rent out the other two. And make sure you make it affordable and make sure in the screening process, just like white Americans do, And they can't say they don't do it. We still have statistics to this day. Mm -hmm. You make sure a young black family gets to be able to go into a home that's affordable. You don't whack them across the head with $1,800 a month. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'll stop right there. Y'all go ahead. Listen, you learning us. Definitely. And I feel like, I mean, (laughs) I like your point and what you were talking about because I feel like the education is so important Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's hard to work towards resolving an issue if you don't know how. And especially if you don't know the history behind the issue that you're looking to work on. So I know, you know, me being migrated um, to Charlotte, I don't know much about the history of Charlotte. So... You know, with me exploring housing and everything like that, all of this is brand new. And I'm just like, man, like, this is really, this is really tough. You know, like, especially when you just think about um, if it, it's just me, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I guess my question to you guys would be, 
where do you think the education will start? I know you mentioned going to the meetings mm -hmm. um, and being familiar with the 50-year plan going on um, within the Charlotte community. Um, but I guess, like, what additional um, actions can people our ages, younger and older, take in becoming more knowledgeable about the housing market within the Charlotte community? I think, I think it's just the will to do it. Like, that's really it. Like, Brother Stokes hit it the nail on the head. Like, when you got a phone, everyone got a phone. Definitely. Homeless people, they don't got a home, but they got a phone. <laughs> Listen, I done seen it. Like, how you don't got a home, but you got a phone? And you going to make sure minutes on it. But anyways, you got a phone, so you have access to the world. Definitely. Like, literally, yeah. anything you want is on this device. So it's just the will to... Research the information, mm -hmm. educate yourself, and then pour it back into the community. Because yes. a lot of people, uh, I was listening to Eric Thomas, and he said, envy not thy oppressor and don't follow his ways. Mm. He said it, and it's a verse. But I've never, he, he kept talking in it. I'll share, I'll share the post with y'all. But he kept talking in it, and it made so much sense. We envy white America so much. Mm. We always say we behind the eight ball. We been doing this. We, we had so much to just get... Uh, to even level with them. Mm -hmm. But we always use them as a measuring stick. Mm -hmm. When before them, we it were kings us. and queens. Yes. We were gods. So we use it, we're measuring ourselves beyond, we were measuring ourselves on the wrong level, on the wrong plane. The wrong so scale. the will to just do your research and then pour in, go to those, go to those schools that don't have anything yes. and educate them on zoning, yes. educate them on finances, yes. educate them on self self-awareness, educate them on self-love and go into these schools and just don't even ask for a fee. All I want is ears and eyes. Yes. I don't even want no money yes. because here's the thing. When you bring value to a situation, money will follow because yes. money is just a tool. If you bring value, the tools are going to come to you. It's going to attract to you. You're not going to need to do anything. So when you educate yourself and when you get all this knowledge, don't just say, oh, I got it for me. Exactly. You got to get it for you how I got it for me. No, yeah. man. Because that's not how, that's how our oppressors did. Envy not thy oppressor. And don't follow his ways. Yes. So literally, like, when we educate ourselves, like, that's why I'm glad we're making this episode. Because, Brother Stokes, when people listen to this, like, imagine working and listening to this. Like, getting yeah, pissed. Like, exactly. Damn. I'm, <laughs> okay, don't quit. I mean, don't I mean, I'm not quit. saying don't quit. I just don't said you can, quit. you can be upset. You don't slap your boss. Right. <laughs> don't, don't, don't cuss Wiggle. out. <laughs> don't cuss out your manager. Don't no. do it. <laughs> but, but for real, like, sometimes people got to get mad in order to make them, like, change. Definitely. In order to move. Correct. And so if you at work, you pissed listening to this, like, okay, use that energy to educate yourself. And then educate your children if you do, or go to a local middle school or high school and just educate. Just see what you can do. And I feel like what Brother Stokes said about us getting together and just buying land, yes. and not just buying land, but doing it on a 50-year plan. Correct. We got a 50-year yes. plan for Charlotte. Yes. We got a plan that, okay, we see, we see let's scout areas we want to conquer. All right, we want to conquer this area. Okay, let's get the families together. Let's talk how much bread we need. And we don't think... In 50 years, because we don't, we feel like we don't have time. Right. Mm. We think right. it's seven days and 24 hours because we feel like that's all we got. How many times you heard, you know, tomorrow's not promise. Tomorrow's not promise. Yeah. Because, I like because it, I understand because you want to conquer it today. You know what I'm saying? Right. But at the same time, 
that it, it gives life such a short window now. Yes. Tomorrow's not promised. So I got to get everything today. Yes. And if I wake up tomorrow, oh, okay, well, tomorrow's not promised. So I got to get everything today. Yes. Instead of planning and working towards an overarching dream so that when it get, does get to the end of the 50-year plan, and we are, what, 50? We are 70-something. We can look back and say, man, look at our community, Keeks. Right. Look at our grandchildren running around in the street. Don't have nothing to worry about. Look at that. Look, man, look at that community center. Man, this is done so crazy, man. I'm about to go to a festival later on, man. I'm about to watch my grandson hop on the stage, do his thing. And knowing that you had a role in it. Right. Like, you, like, man, sacrifice. This is, this is probably what I slayed. This is probably what our ancestors feel when they look down on us. Yeah. And they see us recording, spitting this knowledge. They see us graduating. They see us becoming the president. They see us, you know, making the traffic light. Mm-hmm. They see us making peanut butter. They see everything because they're like, you know what? It was worth it. This, the, the trip on that slave ship, the sitting there beside dead bodies, it was worth it because I see y'all actually using my sacrifice. And I feel like that's... No, no, no. I got to... I got to... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got to amend. Go ahead. And and the reason why I got to amend is not because you're not saying something that is that is super, super, super inspirational, motivational. We are the manifestation of the lashes on the back of our ancestors. Mm. We are the manifestation of the endurance of 18, 19 hour days in cotton fields, tobacco fields, rice fields, because it was in those times, and those are just two small examples, very small, uh, monumental but small. We are the manifestation of those two examples because during those times there was tears, there was wells, there were moans. And behind all those tears, wells, and moans was a thought. Mm -hmm. If I could just get away from here. Yeah. If I could just not have to endure this anymore. These people keep telling me there is this thing they call God. And they keep telling me, but they won't let me read. Right. See, this is this is one of the one of the greatest things going back to education. I'ma say this out loud. We love to tell everybody, oh, that book was written by the white man to keep us slaves. Well then why they didn't want slaves to read. If it was written by white men to keep us slaves, why they didn't even want us to read in the beginning? Because it wouldn't have mattered. No. Because everything in the book tells you you're not supposed to be a slave, and if somebody tries to enslave you, take their head. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yes. <clears throat> I'm saying they, they didn't want us to read because if, they, if it did make us slaves, then it wouldn't have mattered. They would have gave the books freely. They would have gave them freely. Right. They would have told us to read everything. Right. Because it all would have kept us in a place to just be like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be here. Uh-huh. But everything in that book tells you. If they try to enslave you, take their head. Now, that's my God. My God says I have rights. My God says I have a will. He gave it to me. He created me to possess it. Nothing possesses me. I can possess the day. I can speak to the day and the day will bend to my will because my will will line up with the will of my father. That's who I am. I am that I am. 
And that type of education is what scares, what brings fear. This is why we are the manifestation of our ancestors. We are the manifestation of who they are at their greatest because they made sure we would be great. And so we have to stay educated. We have to do everything you just said, Kaylin. We have to do everything you just said, Keeks. Um, we have to. Because if we don't, we're going to forever be chasing, how do I pay for this? Mm-hmm. Where can I find affordable affordab- affordability? Mm-hmm. Well, no longer. Speak affordability. Speak it. Come on, man. Educate yourself. And and to go further than the zoning meetings, like you said, mm-hmm. to go further than zoning meetings, other things that can be done. These are two small examples. Um, make sure that you uh, go to your local uh, county. Uh, so it would be Mecklenburg County. Mm-hmm. Go to the county seat and just ask for the, the last uh, last year's tax records for the county. And find out what the county assessor did with all the money that was recouped mm-hmm. from home taxes. From uh, oh, there was a term I used to know as a little kid called ad valorem, but I know that doesn't apply. Ad valorem. Don't trust me. It's, it's an old term. I, I know it don't apply. You know, brother Stokes. But um, uh, <laughs> 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 My vernacular is very voracious. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Oh man, uh, property taxes. Yeah, okay. every every county collects property taxes. Anybody that owns property has to pay a tax yep. to the county. That count that that total yeah. is is uh, published every year in a budget, and and you can find out how much the county took in. And then I I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying Mecklenburg does it, but. You can find out where most of the taxes are being collected from. Mm-hmm. So then you can adjust, you can find that to adjust what's affordable, what's not based on taxes. And then the second thing that you can do also, uh, aside from going to your zoning meeting and going to the county assessor to look at the property tax uh, total, is to definitely make sure that you write a will. Oh, okay. Do not allow anything that you own that is land-based to go into probate. Just don't allow it. Write a will. Get a will. Nine times out of ten, you can find a place to get a will for free. Wow. Amen. Three steps. Boom, boom, boom. Right. I'm going to listen to this again. I just... Listen, you. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that... that, I I say thank you, Brother Stokes, for that. For real. thank you. Thank you. That really educated me on some things. For real, for real. Alrighty, so I have some statistics and some fun facts on homelessness and a homeless uh, population in Charlotte. Just to give you guys a heads up, these numbers do come from 2018. So, you know, writing some of my notes, I always have to have questions just to kind of talk about, okay, just just to kind of introduce the topic. So some of the questions I had is, what is the homeless population in Charlotte? Define homeless um, and different ways to combat homelessness and find preventative preventative measures so people do not become homeless. So 
first thing I want to talk about is defining homelessness because I feel that there's various definitions. And, you know, in doing this research, I definitely learned, okay, well, you know, it's very specific. Um, So according to the Housing and Urban Development, their definition of homelessness is when an individual or household experiences literal homelessness, including sleeping in an emergency or seasonal shelter, transitional housing, or place unfit for human habitation. According to HUD, which is the Housing and Urban Development, doubled up and staying in a hotel or motel when the household is paying for the hotel or motel are not considered homeless. All programs who receive continuum of care and emergency solutions grant dollars must use this definition of homelessness to define eligibility for services. Um, I found that to be very interesting, you know, because I feel like when we generally think of homeless, we just think of someone who doesn't have a home. A, right. Yeah. You just think of someone staying out in the streets, but we don't think of people sleeping in their cars. Mm-hmm. We don't think of people sleeping in shelters. We don't think of people staying in um, hotels and motels and things like that. And it's really one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what's a home to you? Mm. Mm. It's not about just having shelter. It's about having a home. And a home is more than just having a roof over your head. A home is having, um, you know, heat, <laughs> electricity, clean water, hot water, food, you know, a stable living situation. And I feel like when we're examining the subject of homelessness, we just think of, oh, we have shelter, so we're not homeless. Wow. And then I also have a definition for um, sheltered homelessness and unsheltered homelessness. So sheltered homelessness is a type of homelessness in which people live in a supervised publicly or privately operated shelter designated to provide temporary living arrangements, including congregate shelters, transitional housing, and hotels and motels paid for by charitable organizations (coughs) or by federal, state, or local government programs. Projects that are classified as emergency, shelter, seasonal housing, and transitional housing are included within a shelter count of the point-in-time count. You guys will hear me talk about that a little bit later, too. Mm-hmm. And then a shelter homelessness is the type of homeless homelessness in which people have a primary nighttime residence that is a public or private place not, des- no, sorry, not designed for or ordinarily used as a regular sleeping accommodation for human beings. It includes the street, parks, camps, Vehicles, storage units, and bridge underpasses. Wow, storage yeah. units. And, you and I knew I knew a guy that used to live in a storage unit. Literally, he had a he had he had his car. Mm-hmm. He stayed in the storage unit, and he had a membership to a twenty four hour fitness, and that's how he took his showers. But he had a job. Mm-hmm. Was making this was in L A. Uh, he was making nineteen fifty an hour. And he couldn't afford a place to stay. 19th. And it was cheaper for him to rent the storage unit because he found uh, what we would call an Mm off-brand storage facility that was offering a six-month deal that was like $95 a month. And he had to give him like $250 up front. And so he literally re-upped for a year. So he had a year-long contract with this storage place, and that was how he was saving money to be able to go into an apartment because the average rent at that time, and that was 
Okay, again, we're talking Los Angeles, California, and I'm talking about 2009. 2009, Los Angeles, California, your average, and I'm saying average, one-bedroom apartment was probably in the neighborhood of 1150 a month. Jesus. Average. If you want to average the whole entire county, you could probably find some places, but one of the one of the ways of getting around not being called homeless or not um, really truly saying you didn't have a place to stay, two cultural items in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're probably never going to get a chance to enter into an average Los Los and an average person in Los Angeles is not going to invite you into their home. And two, most people don't come there to actually build a family and live. They, they come to Los Angeles to just make money and then go somewhere else. So a lot of people rent rooms. Yes, and that's definitely something that's on the rise in Charlotte, too. Yeah. Definitely. I see that a lot. I heard my, my girlfriend, her sister said she was going to start doing it. And I was like, that junk is weird to me. Like, it I is. live, and you about to rent out of, I don't know. Yeah. That junk weird. Like, an Airbnb, I can see. Like, rent out your house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. You use my house for a day or something. Right. Give me some bread. But I don't rent out a room. That's that's different for me. Especially with strangers. I don't Yeah. If it's family, you know what I'm saying? But it's most people nasty. use it as an opportunity to build yeah. their yeah. real estate portfolio. They'll go Same get a house. Thing three-bedroom, and then they'll clean it up and then offer each room 450 a month, and that'll cover, cover their mortgage payment. Right. And so they'll pay that house off while living in another home if it's not all the way paid off or whatever. And again, if the market says a one-bedroom apartment in Charlotte is nine seven nine fifty? You said eight fifteen nine hundred. Okay, somewhere around that ball. Mm-hmm. I can get. I can. I can go and. Oh, I can go and get me a three bedroom, four bedroom home, and I can say, hey, everybody come into the house for six hundred. You get a room for six hundred. So now I'm offering less than right. what the market is offering, but six times four is twenty four. Right. Now I'm not only paying mortgage on the home. But I might be hitting half of the mortgage on the house I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I didn't just lessen up my bill by putting, oh, I make it seem like I'm helping you out. But then, like you said, you're in a room with a lock on a door with three strangers mm-hmm. trying to share a bathroom, trying to share a kitchen, share a refrigerator, share a driveway, share a living room. You don't know who's in that room next to you. And as a single woman, if I had a daughter, my nieces, oh no, you uh-uh, no, no. I don't and and but that's what our women are having to deal with sometimes. And I mean, I don't want to just single out women like they're weak and they can't protect themselves, but then I don't want to also try to make it sound like a man doesn't face violation either. Right. We got some men that, you know, mm-hmm. they like men. Yeah. And they like to impose their will on a man. So, you know, those, you know, you, you just being thrown into situations because of the lack of affordable housing. That's just crazy. That, but I, I really like, I feel like you were just dropping a gem in solutions. Like, 
by buying a crib, renting it out for less than what the average rent, but then having rent to pay for the house mm-hmm. as well as a little bit of yourself. Like, I think that's the beauty of using what they, and I put that in quotations, do, and benefiting the have-nots. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Because I feel like at the end of the day, we have, we, we're... We're the middle class, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we we are at times taking our perspective and viewing it as if we are the billionaires of the world, the CEOs of America, because at the end of the day, you are where your mindset is. So I feel like the more we spread that knowledge and we show how we're looking from the eagle's eye, it shows the people and our listeners and even, you know, young people might be even listening to this. Like, you have the opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity to view the world, your life, as a CEO. Because at the end of the day, you are the CEO of yourself. Mm. You, are, you are the chief executive officer of every decision, every move, every make, every sacrifice, every benefit, every loss. You are the CEO. If mm. you take ownership of that, you have that power in yourself. But at the same time, you can be the janitor of your organization if you look at yourself that way. Right. And so I think... You, you really helped me by showing that we can really buy land and not only move our people into it, but we can help them and help ourselves win-win so that we not only help them establish better credit, better housing um, record for if they want to move up, but we can also set ourselves up for purchasing other land to help more people right. or you know bettering our whatever movement we have so we can give more. So I think I, that was a very... Excellent point. I just wanted to further bring out. Oh and yeah. Just to say thank you because you were teaching. I I I do want to let y'all know that I am educated. When I say he learned me up on something, I'm doing it intentionally. <laughs> He's teaching me. I do know, and I'm learning. But, and and I do my best to make sure that I uh, reciprocate that, because as I say often, and people can't see it because we don't have video yet. These uh, two individuals in the full sense of the word powerful, in the full sense of the word intelligent, in the full sense of the word wise. These are two powerfully wise, intelligent individuals. And just as much as they think I might be imparting some wisdom to them, I'm receiving from them. Um, just, I'm telling you, if, if you have an organization and you would like to see some young people uh, become enriched, through storytelling, enriched through uh, the art of griot, then I would tell you right now, learn who Kiera is, learn who Miss Keeks is, learn who Kalen is, learn K- no- Knoxless, <laughs> my man Knoxless, <laughs> my sister Miss Keeks, learn who these individuals are because these are walking temples of blessed benefit to any community. Amen. Um, and to even further the point, because when you said that about buying land and putting a family together, you made me uh, remember because you coupled it with being the CEO of yourself. And I'm speaking particularly to men right now, my brothers. Um, we have lost the perspective, the viewpoint, the vantage point of our position, especially us black men. 
I am the oldest. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm perfect. I'm not saying this because I do it right every day. I'm saying it because I'm still learning how to be. But we, if the oldest of our family, it is time for us to gather our family, gather our younger brothers and sisters. It's time for us to introduce the opportunity to heal. Mm. Introduce the opportunity to put an axe to the root of what is the family dilemma. That just hit. It is time for us, oldest male child, to say, I'm sorry for what happened. Let's incubate ourselves. And here's the truth. If you can only start with $5, start with $5, but set a plan in motion. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not doing much. I'm really not doing much. I am just an average everyday black man who has a mission and I work my mission. I heard a wise man once told me this, and this is for us black men. You can be fired from your job. That is a fact. That is a truth. If you work a job, you can be fired, but no one can never fire you from your work. You know what your work is, brother. You know what it is that you do in life. So now grab your family and work your work and let your family know what the work is. Even if they can't understand it, even if they can't fathom it, comprehend it, imagine it, even if they can't visualize it, give it to them. Because it's time for the family to be healed. It's time for the family to go forth in generational wealth and generational blessings to be a blessing to bless five generations over. So when it comes to this issue of lack of affordable housing, as Miss Keeks gave a great definition of what homelessness is. It is time to ensure that no one in the family is homeless anymore. And, 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 and even a cow who sometimes is described as the dumbest animal in the animal kingdom. Who said that? <laughs> even a cow understands when there is no more grass, I walk to where grass is at. Some of us are lingering in places that have been dead, no longer habitable for us in opportunities, no longer habitable for us in economic power, political power, uh, 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 family establishment of family power. You might need to move. Mm. I tried once before, and I'm going to be quiet after this. I tried once before in 2008 to encourage and gather a hundred black men within the area I lived in, in Los Angeles to get a real good understanding of what was happening in Detroit, Michigan. And here's why this was the idea that I presented. It never came to fruition. At that time in 2008, we, we found out in Los Angeles 
that 60% of all new businesses created in Detroit were created by black people. Hmm. 60%, which if you don't understand percentages, six out of 10 small businesses, services that were created in Detroit, Michigan, were created by African-Americans, black people. My thought was, let's grab 100 black men from Los Angeles and get at least $100,000 and go to Detroit and buy an office building, renovate it, rehab it, and turn it into a power center that we would bring some of those businesses to have their offices located. Why? Because we could have what's called a consigliatory agreement written up. Now, if anyone has ever worked for a union, you understand that word, consigliatory agreement. Basically, what it says is a group of people will come together and agree on a certain set of terms, and everybody signs this document to say that we agree on these terms. Now, when you agree on those terms, you also agree on one individual, two individuals, whatever you want to call your committee, Uh and they will be the voting body of whether or not funds collected will be used for this, 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 and this. Basic Basic uh, explanation, I wanted to create a power base where we could bring a building in, everybody sign on the agreement that we all possess ownership of the building, get ourselves an accountant, get ourselves a set of lawyers, and then go into a financial institution, present the information and say, we want a million dollar loan, we want a $2 million loan, we want a $5 million loan, and then go buy 18, 19, 20 of those burned out buildings in Detroit Mm -hmm. that nobody was doing anything with. Mm -hmm. Still to this day, nobody is doing anything with because Detroit at that time was on the verge of bankruptcy. They needed somebody to come in and save the city. Why not 100 black men? Come in, grab what nobody wants, take it, flip it, and turn it into a jewel. But guess what? It can still happen today right? in Charlotte. Watch this. I'm going to show y'all what I'm talking about. Go ahead. There's a, there's a small town right outside Charlotte called Monroe. Come on now. Speak on it. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you give me $1,500 and a weekend, I could probably get you some land in Monroe, North Carolina. Monroe is huge. And I could probably find, if not one acre, Half an acre for 1500 And if I find half an acre, here's the other part of it. You can build on half an acre because all you got to find out is what's the county limitation on heights? See, we think with. Mm-hmm. I can take an acre of land, and if my height is... Oh, well, you just got to make sure you stay within FAA regulations of what height requirement is for a beacon so that when a plane come over, it can see the building. I could put a 70-story building on an acre of land. We don't think height. We don't think vertical. And watch this, y'all. And this is just the preacher in me. The very first place that you establish righteous relationship when you think of the cross is your vertical, you to God. Then you establish person to person, side by side, the cross member. 
But if your post, your vertical, is not stable, your horizontal will always wobble. Mm. I like that. Because um, I don't know how you gave it. You, what the frick? You, <laughs> he gave the solution to 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 to, to self awareness and affordable housing and freaking <laughs> one answer. What the? But I'm gonna say something and then I'm gonna pass it to sis. Uh, <laughs> you really spoke to me, man. Especially when you said the oldest black male needs to bring the family together to heal. Because and I'm still attempting to do it. And I fail often. I still got siblings that don't want to talk to me. But I don't even think it's about the fail. I think it's about the try. Yeah. Always. Always. And it's so crazy because I was talking to my mom yesterday. We were talking about one of my little cousins. And I just told her, like, I think we failed him. She was like, why you say that? And I was like, because this all could have been prevented. And we just kept talking about the family and just dynamics. And, um... I just really, I was like, Ma, you know, what what are we going to do for the next family reunion? I want to be, I want to sit at the table. And she was like, well, the next family reunion, really, no one's planned it. So why don't you plan it? I'm not going to leave you out there, but you should plan it. And it brought me to a conversation me and my girlfriend were having. We were like, man, we were eating some wings. It was like, man, it tastes like the cookout wings. It was like, you know, we get another age where we the ones that got to throw the cookouts now. Heck yeah. And it's just like, what? And then I see my little cousins. Being where I was, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing where my big cousins, I'm where they are now, and my mom and their generation, they're where their parents are. So I'm seeing the progression, and so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta step up, but not only step up, but like really bring the family together, cause it's a lot of things that are moving in my family that I don't know about, and I want to know more about it, cause I feel like I even told my mom this. I was like, Ma, your generation and my grandmother's generation. That disconnect, that discord is holding us up. And if y'all don't fix it, that means everything's going to start over for this family on the previous generation of me, like my little cousins, because we got to do the work. If that don't get fixed, mm -hmm. if that generation gap don't get fixed, if that relationship doesn't get healed, then my generation and the generation above me, we got to do the work now in order to pull the next generation. Mm -hmm. So if y'all fix this, man, man, we gonna be leaps and bounds from where we are currently. I hate to tell you this, I really do. What? Solomon completed David's temple. So, anyways, I'm gonna keep going because <laughs> he 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 throwing the heavy hitters today. He Devonte Wilder, the first one, not the second fight. Anyways, I was just um, been the same. Dang, the first ooh, fight, the, the first fight, the first fight, the first fight, the second. I fight. hate that he lost it though. But go ahead. anyways, but. Yeah, like, you really spoke, I really love how you said that, and just bring the family together to heal, because we do more together than separate. Yes. And I feel like when you say bring the family together, it's not just your blood family. Bring your friends, bring those relationships that you have questions about. Yes. Like, really figure out, okay, are we going to work this out, or is it better we just go our separate ways? Mm. Because the more we toil, the less time we have to actually move upward. Mm and actually move deeper into the relationships we need to go. Mm. And so, and that, like, when we heal our family, it fixes affordable housing because then we'll work as we were working in the 20s and 30s. There will be more black Wall Street. They're going to be a black state probably if we really get right. Amen. Because we now have people in legislation, 
people and big and heads. We have people of color. Granted, they might not think like us. Granted, they might not see our voice. But the louder we are, they have to hear us. And so I don't want to speak too much, but Keeks, I think you got some more. I do. I got, I'm got. i trying to figure out where I want to lead off with. Um, I guess I'll just go with some more numbers really quick. Um, so I'm going to try to make this really quick. I'm going to give you guys the point in time count that was reported um, in 2018. So for those of us who may not know what the point, of town ca- the point in time count is, the point in time count is an unduplicated one-night estimate of both sheltered and unsheltered homeless populations. This is completed each year during the last week in January, coinciding with the housing inventory. So pretty much you have people go out um, during, a, uh, during the last week in January, pretty much trying to keep count of how many people are homeless and things like that. So the point in time count for Charlotte in 2018 was 5,104. Individuals. Yes. Women, children, men. Yes. Women, children. Men. Yes. Just spit some more facts with you guys. Um, The Charlotte-Mecklenburg pointed homelessness population decreased by 17% between 2016 to 2017 and 2016 the number was 6167 in 2017 it dropped to 5104 and then in 2018 you see it's still the same 5104 63% of those people were single adults 32% of those people were families with children 5% of those people were unaccompanied youth and children. Wow. During the 2017 to 2018 school year, there were 4,598 students identified as eligible for the McKinney-Vento services in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. And that pretty much is like a, um, how would I describe it? Like, It's like a... Uh, a housing support initiative to help provide housing for youth. (coughs) Now, of those numbers, 79% of those people identified as black or African American. Say that again. 79% of those people identified as black or African American. 5% identified as Latinx. 57% 57% identified as male, 42% identified as female, and 1% identified as transgender and or non-gender conforming. Mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, let us, uh, give us a moment to marinate on those statistics. But I really want to um, go back to the 79% identifying as black and or African American. Because that lets you know that most of the homeless population, they're black. So we, as a community, we have to, I feel that it is our responsibility to do more in um, combating the issue of homelessness, not only within Charlotte, but also with um, creating more affordable housing, which I know we touched on some of the um, solutions solutions that we have, and that's where I'm going to go to next, because I know we talked about, you know, Um, making sure we buy properties and rent those out and make those affordable and available to black families. I also want to uh, 
I also want to talk about the importance of health because I feel that your health is very important when it comes to having a home. You know, it's hard for you to maintain a home if you are not in good health. And good health, you know, it goes beyond your physical health, mental health, yeah. emotional health. And, you know, that's something that uh, I feel like we've gotten better in educating ourselves about, you know, the black community, um, about the importance of mental health. But making sure you take the time to take care of your body, take care of your health, take care of your family. You know, if you know you have a relative that um, has health issues, health complications, making sure that you're there to assist them, you know, taking them to the doctor. Hey, you, you take your medicine a day, you schedule your appointment, you know, making sure you're holding people accountable and making sure that they're taking care of their bodies, their health, and things of that nature. Also, making sure that we have ways to create and, ha and have affordable transportation because that's so important. I don't feel that, I feel like, with, especially with me utilizing public transportation, like I know how frustrating it is to take a bus somewhere in Charlotte and you still got to walk a mile and a half to get to where you got to go. Or even, you know, I know everyone using, is using Lyft and Uber and things like that. You know, you have taxis and you have the light rail system, which they still are working on, so it's really not the best. Um, just making sure that you're helping out your fellow brother and our sister and getting around because, you know, public transportation isn't the best in Charlotte. And not only that, I feel that that would just help us to um, support each other better, you know, and making sure we can get to work. You know, we, if we get to work on time, you know, we get to work at a decent time, then we can make sure we bring home the money to make sure we can, you, uh, make sure we can um, pay the bills and have affordable housing, make sure we can put food in the house, make sure we can take care of our health. You know, like all these things have a domino effect and everything is so connected. And then also um, creating more jobs, which I feel like this also goes into creating businesses. All these things are connected. You know, if we create more jobs, we generate more wealth. I'm telling y'all, like it, it just has a bleeding effect. And then I also just wanted to briefly talk about some of the experiences I had when I was in Washington, D.C. Um, interning because the mayor of Washington, D.C., she had hosted what they called a housing expo. And the housing expo was pretty much she rented or they had this entire building that was full of all of these very all, all these different resources that will educate you about housing, you know, if you're interested in financing a home, purchasing property, fixing up a house, you know, they had engineers there, plumbers, electricians, you know, they had programs for the kids. If you want to learn how to buy a house, you know, the proper terminology, they seriously had every single resource you could possibly think of at this housing expo. And I was like, this is so freaking dope. And they had, you know, you had the radio stations out there. They're giving out all these books, you know, pamphlets. And I promise y'all, like, it was so freaking dope. I'm like, if every city could do something like this, man. I hope Mayor Lyles is listening to this. Man. And she calls you. Oh, man, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, she might man. But we, we, we got to wrap it up, man. Okay. We're not trying to get kicked out. Oh, yeah. But, man, I just I just really want to say, um, you heard the statistics. 
You heard the numbers. What we gonna do? You heard the history. What we gonna do? You 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 heard you heard the stories. So you you see, it's not even a we have to do this or we we want to do. We need it. Seventy nine percent, yo. The African American community, we need each other. We need us. That's why we created SFA. And that's why we're pushing out this content. Expect more coming soon. And that's why we're moving to self-autonomy. We're moving to ownership. We're moving to brand building. We're moving to business building. We're moving to housing development. We're moving to um, reaching multiple areas, not only of the country, but the world. Because strive for achievement starts in Charlotte, but that's not where it's going to finish. So... Um, preach preacher uh th- this we, we we signing off for this one but thank y'all for listening tuning in follow us on instagram sfa.charlotte you can follow me at knoxlist that's k-n-o-x-l-i-s-t um you can also follow us on facebook as well as sfa charlotte just add us we'll add you back and um yeah uh you can i'll let everyone else shout out their socials and things like that Y'all can follow, follow, I didn't know if I wanted to say find or follow. Find <laughs> and follow me on Instagram at Lord Have Mercy, L-O-R-D-E dot have mercy. have mercy. Go ahead, go ahead. You hear that, Mary Lyles? Lord, L-O-R-D-E dot have mercy. Lord have mercy. You need to call her. You need to get in touch with her. Uh, and Brother Stokes, you can reach me on Instagram at go see big brother. Go see big bruh. G-O-S-E-E-B-I-G-B-R-U-H. All right, now. I'll holler. All right. This is SFA signing out. Love y'all five ever.